You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Lukaku gets off the mark. Inter Milan do well as well. Cristiano Ronaldo decides to bench himself, come on, book himself, and not score a goal. Arsenal demise. We got so much to talk about. Weekend recap. We're going live if you're watching this on YouTube. And if you're listening to the audio, thank you so much. Jimmy Conrad, he fears in the house. Weekend recap. Kegolasso begins right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Kegolasso Weekend Recap. If you weren't awake in this weekend, you are awake right now. Welcome, everybody, to Kego Lasso. First of all, Jimmy Conrad, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great. What a weekend to discuss in pretty much every single league that exists. And uh, I don't even know where you want to start, but I'm here for it. I, I have no idea. Luckily, <laughs> we, we have great producers who have a rundown for us. Heath Pierce, how are you? The mustache, I'm doing, man. I'm, the mustache. Oh, yeah, I'm doing great. I'm I'm still wearing the old Puma kits where you could still kiss the crest because they were in the old oh, spots back then. You know, oh, yeah, I love that shade. Uh, you know, Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you mean a shirt where you can still see the badge and kiss it? You, you yeah. still have those? <laughs> yep. <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. But Jimmy, uh, Heath, great to have you. Everybody, thank you so much for being here. Make sure, please, by the way, that you like, follow, subscribe, spread the word. Kego Lasso is here only because of you, the fan, and we need you to keep on growing, keep on sharing. By the way, coming up this week on Kego Lasso, we got Fariso Romano, who's going to uh, give us the latest on Cristiano Ronaldo. I'm all to talk about that. And, of course, the end of the transfer window. We also have an exclusive interview with Carlos Vela. It was a great one, everybody. Uh, I hope you tune in for that. We got Champions League preview early betting with Jimmy. Uh, Wednesday, we're going to have a lot of social fun with Tosin and Aaron West as well. We got Thursday and more more reaction to the Champions League draw, by the way, which is coming up. And Friday, please don't forget as well, of course, our weekend uh, preview that also will include a special guest, an author and soccer betting expert, David Sumter. We have so much to discuss. And of course, the following Sunday, Heath Beers will join us once again for Weekend Recap. We begin, everybody, with Cristiano Ronaldo. It's got to start right there, okay? Juventus Udinese tied 2-0. This was uh, kind of crazy. As the game, as the lineups come out, Cristiano Ronaldo, per our Fabrizio Romano, and of course, confirmed later on by Max Allegri, benches himself, had a conversation with uh, the manager, Wanted to bench himself, wants to test out the remaining days of the transfer. I mean, what is that? All right, we'll get into that with the boys in a second. But then the game itself was obviously great. Paulo Dybala did excellent today, but Udinese kept fighting back. Then Cristiano Ronaldo comes on in the second half, everybody, scores a goal, or he thinks he scores a goal, goes insane in stoppage time, takes his shirt off, gets booked because of that. VAR comes in and says, no, sorry, no goal. But the yellow remains. 2-0, it stays. Udinese, Juventus. Jimmy Conrad, immediate thoughts on that. My immediate thoughts is I think his yellow card should be rescinded as well. I think that's kind of crap that that actually follows through. I'll start there. Secondly, with him holding himself out because he wants to test the transfer window, that is interesting. I mean, it seemed like that things were put to bed. Maxi Allegri came out the day before and said everything's fine. He's going to stay with us. He's going to see out his contract. So to have that be so contrasting in terms of opinions and communication that's being put out there is very interesting. I will say, though, if we can get into some conspiracy theory, I think that he could potentially go to PSG. Hear me out, everybody. He goes to PSG. 
Then PSG sells Mbappe because if they don't get any money for him, he's going to leave for free at the end of the season. He goes to Real Madrid. La Liga is desperately in need of a marquee player. They don't necessarily have one. Yes, Gareth Bale used to be one, and he scored today. Good for him. Eden Hazard used to be one, but obviously the shine has worn off of him. Benzema maybe never got to be that guy. It was always Ronaldo or Messi. They lose both of those players. They don't really have somebody to market around. And obviously, they're trying to grow their brand everywhere around the world. So they need that marquee player. It makes a lot of sense for them to go get Mbappe now to try to push that through. I could see La Liga also trying to make that happen. And so that's where we are. That's what I think could happen. Ronaldo and Messi on the same team. My mind will be blown. It'll melt on the floor, and I'm here for it. Okay, uh, there's so much, by the way, to literally what you just gave us as well, because I started thinking to your point about where he would go. He just gave me like, listen, first of all, who's to blame here? Ronaldo not in the starting 11 at the beginning of Serie A. There's so much hype. There's so much energy. Max Allegri is back. Juventus need to reclaim Scudetto. Oh, by the way, uh, your best player, he wants to be on the bench. What, what, what do you make of this? Yeah, what do you guys care? Leave the guy alone, man. Like, oh, look, look, uh, Neymar, oh, Messi, here we go. Listen, here Neymar we go. and Messi. They, they don't. They're no one even knows where they are, and no one's complaining about them at PSG right now. They're just hanging out. Well, it also helps that you sign like eleven of the best players on a free uh, and during during the off season, so you could just work your way into. And everybody knows they're focusing on Champions League. But yeah, I do think it, it makes a little bit of a statement. Where was Weston McKinney, by the way? We'll, which we'll get to, but. Um, it it uh it's problematic. He's packing his bags, Heath Pierce as well. Yeah, because yeah, of, I mean um, he was he didn't even dress, and I I was looking around for an injury report or an update of why he wasn't in the lineup, and I and and I was reading that there's been no official offers for Weston McKinney, but Ronaldo, same thing, no real official offers. I mean, where do you start with a guy like that in terms of what it's going to cost, how you're going to fit him in? I do like Jimmy's uh, theory, uh, whether it's a conspiracy theory or not. I don't. I wouldn't <laughs> put it past two guys of the greatest generation at a certain point, sort of coming together uh to to just disrupt the entire world uh in a way that that no one's ever seen before we we see it we see it in other sports in the US right that is a thing we saw it with the golden state warriors and and then now uh that could come together but it just seemed odd to start on the bench and then come in and then almost have this glorious moment and have it taken back uh red cards everywhere in the weekend uh in Syria by the way but to to to, to wrap up the ronaldo thought it's a real disruptor, right? And you don't know where you're going to go. They don't have a ton of depth. They didn't look great. They could have lost that match, by the way. Uh, they gave up a number of chances. And and Ronaldo starting on the bench, kind of self-imposed timeout. Uh, I don't know what signal that sends to the fans. I don't know what sen signal that sends in the locker room, or if it's if it's under control and it was something that was planned all along by a, a larger group than than Ronaldo and the coach. Who's to blame, Jimmy Conrad? There's probably a little bit of both, right? I, I think that uh, both parties probably need to take some responsibility, especially if Ronaldo was asking for this or, or poking around, which he was. He got one of his best friends to go on TV in Spain and start a little rumor. And then his wife commented on a post by Carlo Ancelotti, like there's something going on. And, and uh, we see it from Robert Lewandowski as well. Like all of a sudden he's getting the itch, right? When you're not maybe talked about or you see some other players that are making big moves, like, ah, you know what? I've done what I'm going to do here at this club. Let me go try something else, you know? And and I think he accomplished a big milestone last season on a personal level by scoring over 100 goals and being the only player in the history of the game to score 100 league goals in three different leagues. And that seemed like, okay, if I can't win the Champions League here, and it doesn't look like we're going to, and maybe with Maxi Allegri, who's lost in two Champions League finals with Juve, maybe that's as far as he can go with them. Maybe this time to move on, and if they can maybe set up some dream team at PSG, They've got the money to do so. I don't know how they're going to wiggle around financial fair play, but they've got some excellent lawyers and accountants that know how to do that kind of stuff. And if they sell Mbappe, 
you know, then I think they can offset buying Cristiano Ronaldo. And for, for Juve, why not get something for him now? It's very similar to the mindset that PSG has to have with Mbappe. Go get something for him now because he's going to leave for free and you know you don't want to keep him. You're, you've built your whole offense around this guy. And I thought for, for about the first 20 minutes, Paulo Dybala looked great. He had a goal and an assist. And then, you know, Juan Cuadrado was coming into the side. He scored a very good goal as well. Udinese's defense, I've got some questions. But, but outside of that, they looked pretty bright. But to his point, they did give up a lot more chances than they should have for a Maxi Allegri managed team. So they do have some some areas to work on. But yeah, there's there's something going on here for sure. And I think it always stemmed with buying him in the first place. That went against, and, and, and Heath can speak about this, the business side of what made Juve great for so many years was how smart they were with their money. And then when they went and bought Cristiano, they went completely against what they always stood for. Yeah, and what about this one? This post from last week where he's shushing everybody and his ghostwriter. By the way, this was him. He didn't write this. Uh, one of the head writers of The Crown wrote this. And, and at some point halfway through, like he's basically saying, look, my story with Real Madrid is done. I'm like, what? essentially saying, look, all of you are just speaking noise. And then this happens. Let me just ask quickly, Heath, and then Jimmy, I want your thoughts on it as well. Okay, what, what does this mean for Juventus, that locker room, that dressing room? You're ready. You're working hard, specifically new players. I don't know. What does that mean? You're getting ready for Dinesi, and then suddenly, I don't know when you hear that. I guess you hear it just when the fans hear it, that Ronaldo, your teammate, is not starting as well. I mean, does that affect it, do you think? Uh, what, what do you think? I want both from you to, uh, to really chime in on this one. Yeah, it definitely disrupts the locker room. One, because it's a, Ronaldo is effectively a diminishing return, right? If you look at him, the wage bill he has. You are fully uh, uh, stuck in the situation that you're in as long as he is there. You cannot go out and buy players. You cannot bring in resources. You cannot bring in support. It's not like you see, and again, to, to use other sports as a reference, where players will take a pay cut to bring in more players and open up cap space because we have these salary caps in the U.S. where you can work with that. A player is just holding all of the salary and wages hostage. Not his fault. He's a, you know one of the greatest players of all time. And then you have this disruption and it can certainly shake a locker room because one, you don't know if he's in or he's out. You lose him. You're like, man, we got to play something completely different. We got to play a different style of play. We got to rely on other players. Other players have to step up. We're running out of time in the transfer window. And then, and then on, on the, on the flip side, if you are going to keep him, you again have to cater to how he is going to play. Obviously his game has evolved over the years of being a different type of a player, a smarter player that can do his 50 to 60 games a year in a different type of way. But it's a huge disruption for anybody in the locker room uh, when a transfer window's open and your best player who hasn't achieved the ultimate goal since he got to, to, to the club and the club has gone against their own uh, sort of traditions, as Jimmy mentioned, it can, it can, you're kind of at this breaking point. And I'm not sure which way this is going to lean. I think it's a distraction for sure. And if anything, it's just more. And Heath and I have been in this situation before when you're because maybe not in this MLS, obviously, very a little bit different in terms of contract, you know, disputes and all that. But there's still that. Can we just get this solved already? Right. Can we just we just want to move on with one one way or the other, either don't sign the guy or move him along or let's sign him and keep him so we can kind of prepare for this upcoming season and in a way where everybody's bought in. So, yeah, it's definitely going to be a distraction. I wonder maybe maybe some of those players do have some idea or, or some questions as to whether Cristiano was ever bought in in the first place. You know, I think he, he plays the part, but he's always, we always used to make a joke of, he's always playing for the name on the back of the shirt as opposed to the, the crest on the front. Unless but Jimmy, to, by the, Jimmy, sorry to interrupt, but, but it's been all, where was this all summer? Right, There's right, been an right, entire right, summer right. to solve this. And now we're Agreed. going into closing minutes and it's being, I don't know who's leveraging it or who's to blame, but it's a major, Juventus are not favorites in Serie A. 
even with Ronaldo, I don't think that they're the clear favorites. That Yeah, they had some good moments today, but there is a number of teams. Like, Serie A is alive again, and there are other teams that believe that they that that, that the Scudetto is, is, mm-hmm. is available for the taking. And so this is a huge disruption for a team who had won for a decade straight, and now this is another sort of distraction for them that's hard to come back from, plus a change of manager. Yeah, no, the timing. Yeah. The timing to me is is great. There's a great line in White Man Can Jump when uh, Billy Hall says to Sidney Dean, "You'd rather look good first, win second, uh, as opposed to uh, you know win first, look good second. Sometimes I, Ronaldo is a champion. I'm not gonna take it. I don't want any Ronaldo super fans to troll me. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, they're coming. I'm, I know they're coming. They're always coming. There, uh, but to me, it's Heath's point. The timing of it to me is just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Jimmy. In terms of the game itself. Uh, what about uh, you know Chesney's uh, gaff there? Was Ronaldo to blame for that one? Oh no, no. But I'm I'm sure they could we could find a way or a narrative or some kind of spin to make it Ronaldo. Like blame fault. LeBron kind of thing. <laughs> no, obviously uh, Chesney didn't uh, you know cover himself in glory with with his performance today, and it's unfortunate. I think once they go up and and kind of start to get control of the game, it's just about managing that. And I think there's probably a consistent theme with some of the teams that are maybe not living up to their potential. It's when you lose the the momentum of game, how can you regain it, you know? And how do you how do you recover that and still stay in charge? Or even if when you don't have the ball, are you, how can you still stay in charge? And I thought that Juve maybe showed some vulnerabilities, gave up some more chances than they should have. Is it simply that Delict is in instead of, of uh, Chiellini or whatever? I don't know if it's as simple as that, but I think that could have been a distraction, but obviously Chesney's still got to do his job and be a top professional. I mean, these guys get paid enough and, and uh, they know how to, they've been around the game enough and have enough experience to know how to manage this. But yeah, unfortunate. I mean, it was, you know, fine margins to not get that winner there with Ronaldo at the very end, but uh, we'll see. I'm very curious. It's gonna be a busy week in Juve land, Uh, not only from a Cristiano Ronaldo perspective, but from an American perspective, what's going on with Weston McKinney. I mean, we're all kind of on pins and needles as to what his situation is going to be because he played in 46 games in all competitions last season for Juve. And for that to not be regarded high enough by Allegri is quite interesting. Yeah, and I did hear some reports that even though there's no official offer, that there's been major interest specifically from the Premier League as well. So we have to keep our eye on Weston McKinney as we move ahead. Listen, we got a lot, a lot to discuss today. So I want to stay in Serie A just uh, from a topic perspective. I mean, a crazy weekend, uh, insane weekend. To be honest, uh, so many goals. I don't, I don't know if my producer Des Norris can help us out here. I think it was around twenty nine goals already, maybe seven, 31 goals, <laughs> thirty one goals, um, a bunch of red cards as well. Seven, I believe, seven red cards. Miguel Veloso from Verona, Soriano and Schutten from Bologna, Strandberg Salernitana, Osimhen Napoli, uh, Dragowski from Fiorentina, and Saniolo from Roma. Seven red cards. All right, who impressed you the most in Serie A? Uh, you can say player or club. Heath Beers. I'm going to go with Roma. I thought Roma grinded it out. Obviously, they went up uh, a man pretty early on in the game, ended up going level on on 10 uh, players later on in the match. But there was an energy to Roma that I hadn't seen in a while, and I think we've all seen this before. You always wonder what's going to happen when, when Jose Mourinho comes into your club. I think uh, Spurs was the first place that I saw that there wasn't ever a buy-in from the start and it looked like there was a trust to how they press, how they move. Just an energy level from Roma that I think we had, so I, I, or at least for me, I had put Roma in a category for quite a while of just being like, try to make Champions League, right? Top three, top four finish if they can, you know, good times and bad times, that sort of thing. But there was just this urgency to them that I that I saw today that looked a little bit different like an energy level and so that's one to watch for me and one that was quite surprising to be honest as I didn't expect them 
um, to to have that that quick of a, of a response to to a Jose Mourinho coming in. Yeah, I would I would jump in and say just on the back end of the Roma stuff, the fact that Tammy Tammy Abraham came in and two assists and very influential and and just that immediate buy in like this is how I'm supposed to play, this is what I'm supposed to do, and I liked it a lot. Overall, though, from from Serie A, I was actually really impressed with Inter Milan because they lost Lukaku, because they lost Hakimi, because they have a new manager, and now because there's going to be somewhat of a new style, a new voice, right? How are they going to respond in a 4-0 butt-kicking of Genoa was uh, just what the doctor ordered. I thought that uh, Nico Barella was excellent, but really maybe the main guy that I was a little bit curious to see how he was going to fit in, because now ultimately he's replacing Christian Eriksen, is Hakan Chalhanalu, who had a goal and an assist in the first 15 minutes. And his goal was very well taken. And I think that uh, that's a good way to win over the Inter fans after he left AC Milan <laughs> to come over. So I, I was really impressed with him. I was impressed with the team overall. There wasn't too much of a difference in terms, I guess, of the formation because uh, Simone Inzaghi also played a 3-5-2 with Lazio. And now you're going to just see that be replicated in some ways with the wingbacks. But a really impressive performance, I thought, from start to finish. And obviously... With all those changes, you just assumed there was going to be somewhat of a drop-off. And you thought that maybe Genoa could, could attack a team that was a bit vulnerable. But uh, Inter had no part of it and were complete control right from the get-go. But guys, how about Sarri? Sarri ball was good as Very well. Very good. Empoli led one nothing in the fourth minute. And then, you know, uh, Sergej uh, Milenkovic-Savage scored a great goal uh, in the sixth. And then they just kept on rolling 3-1 mm -hmm. from going behind. Mm -hmm. Sarri ball's looking good. Very early, of course, but very good for Lazio, I thought. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, look, it's it's it was all the drama, right? We try to break away from the stereotypes of old, boring Serie A. And now you've got this excitement there. We're, we're talking about it. Yes, it's it's week one and we're going to over dramatize every one of these moments. But uh, certainly uh, you can't come out of this day. Atalanta scoring in the in the closing moments of the match to be able to, to keep all three points for them. I think just a huge weekend overall. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. No, Can I hop in also yeah. because we've talked about him before and I just want to give him a shout out again. Uh, Luis Muriel scored in the sixth minute for Atalanta. They ended up beating Torino 2-1 away from home. And for everybody that doesn't know about Luis Muriel, he was absolutely lethal last season. He racked up more goals and assists per 90 minutes than any other player in the top five leagues in Europe. Yeah, we're big fans here of Woody. 1.82 per 90 minutes goals and assists combined over 90 minutes. Uh, Robert Lewandowski was second. Mbappe third at 1.29. Okay, so Lewandowski is 1.76. Muriel's 1.82. Uh, then you have Erling Holland 1.23. Leo Messi, 1.16. I mean, that just shows you how influential that Muriel is to Atalanta and just overall how undervalued and underappreciated he is. So when he came in and scored an absolute banger, if you're going to watch any goal, go watch Luis Muriel in this first six minutes into this one against Torino. It is a bombazo. Yeah, last season, I think, Jimmy, we literally spent Sick. an episode talking about Muriel. He liked it so he, good. When he was young, back in Colombia, like they would like say, this guy's the next uh, Ronaldo phenomenon. Like that's how good this guy is. He's, he's ridiculous. Uh, by the way, what about, uh, listen, we're going to do a few things here. We're going to move on from Serie A for a second. We're going to do some uh, segments here. Okay, everybody. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly 
so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We got a lot to talk. We know Chelsea beat Arsenal, United, Southampton, Liverpool, etc. Premier League. Uh, but I want to do a few segments. We're going to begin with something here. Let's do the, the weekend's biggest winner do you think and you can go anywhere here okay and again you can go with club you can go with player you can go with overall performance obviously i'm imagining you're going off a victory but who was your weekend biggest winner jimmy i'm gonna go right back to you. oh great that gives heath more time to decide <laughs> yeah, i'm thinking so go ahead so jimmy. <laughs> there, player wise I'll get out of Syria because we focus there a little bit. I'll say Romelu Lukaku scoring in his debut for Chelsea is really important for him and for the club and to get his confidence going. I think he's a big winner. Uh, I do want to say uh, another player that I think really jumped out at me and had a great performance was, um, oh my God, I just had it on the tip of my tongue. Sorry. It was, well, um, as well, you Garrett, think of that, go yeah, ahead. Go, go you ahead. No, you have no, Gareth, Gareth Bale for sure. Him scoring his first goal of the season for, for Real Madrid is important as well. Like these, 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 we we know these guys are confidence guys. We've we've been around them enough. So when they they score, they're like an early goal to kind of just get them going. Yeah. I mean, Jamie Vardy last week, obviously. Like you just you got to get these guys going if you're going to have success, and it takes a lot of pressure off the defense. So those those two would jump out at me for for oh yeah, Angel Correa from from Atletico Madrid. Uh, the guy's already scored three goals in two games for Atleti, the reigning champions of La Liga. So for him to get the ne- another one, another match winner against Elche this weekend, I thought was super important. And then from a team performance, a manager performance, I want to give a shout out to Jesse Marsh and RB Leipzig. I thought Stuttgart was going to show up and there was only one team on the field and that was RB Leipzig. So fair play to Jesse Marsh for getting his guys in a good spot. And, hey, is uh, this really is this well. is this moment of the weekend, or you just get to say all the things that you got excited about, Jimmy? You're eating he's, up. You're eating up all the good stuff, dude. You're eating up all the good stuff. Okay, he's, you should have over- gotten me first. <laughs> it's like when they ask him for homework of just a few pages. Like, Jimmy came with a book. Yeah, he? Jimmy's right. the kind of guy that sits at the front of class and says, "Oh, teacher, um, what do we done? What do we do when he's we're like, done with our assignments? Do I just homework. sit here, or uh, I know the I, answer. Do I move on to the next assignment. I know the uh, answer. Yeah." Yeah, and he brings drama um, as well. What about you, Heath Pierce? Yeah, Who's your I best winner? I definitely <laughs> want to give a, a shout out to to Jesse Marsh. So that's that's first of all. I think the, it, it's a big challenge to step into that role for an American, especially uh, not win your first match and then come out the way that they did. Just huge, huge result for them. And then, I was great in that. Yeah, 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 very good. And and then and then really the big uh, the big winners of the entire weekend is the entire Chelsea squad uh, having Lukaku now uh, yeah. it, it is it's just a, it, it's just such a dying position to have a player that is a true number nine when you look at the way that they've played 
uh, again, okay, it's it's against mid table Arsenal, but like when you look at the way that they play, I'm not even kidding. Table? When I, that's not even a joke when I say that. That's a mid that's mid table Arsenal. Um, I think you're being I think you're being nice on mid table. Oh yeah, yeah, seriously, yeah, <laughs> fighting, fighting, fighting for mediocrity. Uh, Arsenal. No, but but, let's, uh, let's expand on Romelu Lukaku to yeah. your point because here's the thing: he's returning to Chelsea. He he, he talks about his excitement and stuff. I, I tweeted about this. Just his goal itself. I I really implore fans to watch it again not even just everybody it's a good club without a world-class number nine will take you so far Chelsea did great won the Champions League you want to win it all you bring somebody like Lukaku it changes your team and it elevates it to ridiculous level that goal perfect example of what Lukaku can bring he drops he gets the ball from Kovacic lays it back to him and as soon as he lays it back to him he doesn't even know where it's going Kovacic will pass it to Reese James White he sprints to the box he absolutely tackles. I forgot who it was. He did it. He just brought him down and just tapped it in. But it's just a perfect example of what he can bring. Let's expand on Lukaku. Heath, give me some more on Lukaku and Jimmy. Feel free to chime after that because it's a major It's a major reason why I still think Chelsea will win the Premier League. Yeah, it's a huge difference. Just the fact that now they had entry balls from the center backs into him to his feet. I, I remember listening to Tim Howard talking during the game. Uh, I think it was halftime when they were saying, oh, yeah, he should be occupying the two center backs. And, and when you don't, because you have other strengths on the field, he he will crush you in a 1v1 scenario. If he's got you on his back, you are done. You're not, especially in the box. Like he'll score a lot of goals backing you in, up and underneath, kind of like old school Shaquille O'Neal, like inside, inside the key and just dunk <laughs> yeah. on you over and over and over again if you're going to give him that chance. But the way that he pulled off uh, and, and just allowed players around to move, I just think is such an important factor to have somebody that can hold up the game, understand the game, not feel like he constantly needs to turn, lay the ball off, and then, like you said, that explosion to get back into the box. It just changes everything for that team, right? We looked last year, and we were talking about um, Werner. We were talking about uh, uh, Havertz. We were talking about Pulisic. We were talking about Tammy Abraham. We were talking about who are the options? What are the ways? And then you went from Lampard to, to Tuchel, and you're like, what do you do in this situation? And they were able to somehow, miraculously, when you look at the way that they played today with having a true number nine, Win the Champions League. And now you look at this threat, and then you think about the squad rotation. I was a little bit disappointed not to be Shalaba uh, starting in the match, but you look at the squad rotation and the depth, and they have a way of being able to break you down in a few different ways, but having Romelu Lukaku there and just the strengths that he brings, you can see just the... And again, this is not mind-blowing uh, analysis here. You could just see the impact that he brings just because he forces a back line to respect where he is because he can score. He's not just a target player where he holds up the ball and gets in the box and whatever. He can score. He can set up it. He can create his own moments. And then if you don't, it, it, and then if you get up underneath him, he can lay the ball off and just disrupts the game for the defense constantly of guessing like, is he going to play it simple? Is he going to turn? Is he going to hit it? He has all of these different tools. And as we've started to see this trend shifting to the false nine and more of this tactical possession uh, type of play, he just gives me that sort of breath of fresh air again uh, for somebody who's going to, I think, uh, be one of the, the if not the best striker in the Premier League this season. Yeah, I agree with Heath, I think, for all those reasons. One of the things that I would add on a personal level is that when he left to go down to Inter Milan, it was with Manchester United, and he missed a lot of chances that he now then scored when he went to, to Inter, when he went to a different country, when he got outside of his comfort zone. And I think in some ways... He matured and he also became a grown ass man. Like distractions don't seem to bother him as much. 
And and now that he comes back, I do think he could be really the missing link for Chelsea to go on to win the title. I'm with you, Luis. I think they're going to go on to do it. I was on record before the season started. Once they signed him, he was going to be the difference. And when I watch Lukaku with Chelsea, it's the one thing that I think Manchester City needs. Yep, they need 100%. that number nine that can kind of run off the, the, the shoulders of, of, of a team, especially, let's say, when they're down and they don't have any other solutions as to how they're going to get back into it. They desperately need a number nine to kind of solve some of those problems that I think they run into when teams start to figure them out and just pack 10 players behind the ball. We'll leave City for another conversation. But with regard to Lukaku, I think that he does unlock a lot of things. Now, remember, this is just the first game that he's been back with them. I mean, he hasn't had much training and they looked pretty good. Imagine what they're going to look like in a month, two months when they get into the champions. I mean, they're just going to be really a well-oiled machine. Thomas Tuchel knows exactly what he wants to do, what he wants to see out of his players. And when I see them in contrast to the mid-table Arsenal team, I see Chelsea and I see an identity and you know exactly how they're going to play. And now with Lukaku, they can play, I think, a little bit more the way Tuchel wants to. You play it up to Lukaku, he plays it back, and then they get their wingbacks completely involved. Marcus Alonso and Reese James touch the ball a lot from the wingback position. And that allows Lukaku to crash the box, as we saw, and just tell people to go hit the weight room on the way over to the near post as he gets in there for <laughs> tap-ins. And, and, and then you have this really special player that's just going to – it's gonna. and then when you bring in Ziyech or Pulisic, and they got so many options off the bench, it's ridiculous. But then when I look at Arsenal in contrast, and if we want to get into them at all, if you want to segue into that, they don't have an identity. And now I'm fully on board with Luis's thoughts that Arteta is going to get sacked before Christmas. Yeah. Hey, Luis, yeah, let, me, let me ask you this real quick before we, before we go on to the Arsenal shift. Did either of you not think that it, it's it seems so easy to just take 130 million and drop it on a player and you bring them in. But to fit that together as quickly as it did and again it's a, it's a small sample size, not even a sample size. We don't know how it's actually going to play out. But to take a player like that and see the instant impact on making all the players around them better, did you guys know that was going to happen with Lukaku were you cuz for me I was a little bit sort of stuck on this idea of like, yeah, but what does that mean for the rest of the players around them? You know, is that going to disrupt? Is the game, is the style of play going to have to shift? Are things going to have to change? Did either of you guys sort of think that as well? Or, or I mean, because it just, when you see it today, you go, oh, I get it. It's easy. They just put yeah. a better player in there and now they're great. Um, but it, it's not always that easy to integrate a player into a team with a style of play and a system of play. No, it's not. I'll, I'll be very quick. And Jimmy, you can obviously add your thoughts. But the only thing that I'll say is that because where he was going, just I knew it was going to work because they needed that kind of player and the kind of manager that Thomas Tuchel is, he was going to figure it out no matter what. And by the way, pair our Fabrizio Romano, the Sevilla-Kunde conversation is not over. He might still yet maybe make his move to Chelsea. It's just that uh, Monchi does not want to do like a 24 hours to go. You know, he wants to set it all up. So we'll have to see what happens. Jimmy, final thoughts on Chelsea. And then you can talk about Arsenal very quick if you want to. No, of course. I don't know. I mean, there's probably, I don't know how much longer we have for the podcast to talk about <laughs> Arsenal. That is a dumpster fire. But I will say uh, very quickly about Lukaku and him assimilating quick is that he came from a system, I think that was very similar, right? Where Hakimi is that wing back from before. Yeah. And you had Ashley Young or a Perisic kind of being the wing back on the other side for Inter Milan. And then Lataro was the one that he was trying to combine with. And now he's got Havertz. He's got Mason Mount, too. They're not obviously exactly like Lataro, but, but they have and some similarities. he knows similarities. the Premier League. And he knows the Premier League exactly. twice. He knows exactly. it from two different yeah. clubs. Uh, more than that with Everton, I'm sorry. So he yeah. knows the Premier League. So he knows what he's coming into. And he went from Mourinho, a very tough manager to play for, to Antonio Conte, another tough manager to play for. Tuchel must be a walk in the park, you know? So, <laughs> so you have to take into consideration, like, how he's been shaped. And, and, and as much as I... 
didn't like it at the time. I got coached by Bob Gansler back in the, the day. He was very, very tough, not very kind to me. But when I look back on my career, I probably learned the most from him about having thicker skin and how to deal with adversity. And that is why I think he's going to be ultimately prepared for this because he had Mourinho and Conte prior to this uh, going back to Chelsea. Very good timing on it. Yeah, absolutely. I want real quick on Arsenal because I don't want to go too much. Keith, <laughs> yeah. Arsenal yeah. fan, what, just uh, <laughs> what, what do you think? I listen to Jimmy's, uh, you know, I said... I, I said Arteta done by Christmas. This was before the, before the season began. Yeah. And now I feel like Christmas is optimistic. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, I think... Is, is he your biggest loser? Is Arsenal your biggest loser of the week? I, I don't no. think they're my biggest loser because I... Really? I, I'm, I I'm, well, just because lose. I expected them to lose, right? But, <laughs> but the way in which they lost, like Jimmy said, and it was spot on, a lack of identity, right? And Arteta comes from City. He came from Arsenal before as a player. At City and their coaching staff. What City do well is press. You cannot have a single player on that team, young or old, that thinks that when the team presses, that's your chance to take a break. And it happened over and over and over again. Every time they were pressing up, literally, they casually walked past the first line of pressure, casually walked past the second line of pressure, and now they're all running 50, 60 yards back to, to have to get set in their lines. Even then, when they set into a deeper block, they didn't release numbers to be able to press pressure with any sort of emphasis and I and that's the young especially the young guys who just look like they're uninterested in being part of the modern game which means being able to press in good moments win the ball when the team is unbalanced and attack and go to goal and that's what's going to make those players world-class players is the ability to do that if they don't most of them are not good enough to do the things that they're doing over 90 minutes if they're not going to add that other element of the game. The game is fast now. The game requires the press. The gagging press is the most popular style, uh, whether you play some sort of version of it or not, that you do not, there's no more luxury players outside of Ronaldo or Messi where everybody's willing to do the work for them. You have to be willing as a unit collectively to do the work and know that your biggest attack nowadays is being able to win the ball higher up the field with a good press. And if they're not going to do that, I would say literally middle of the table uh, is 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 ambitious at this point. Yeah, uh, Jim. Anything <laughs> on Arsenal, Jimmy? Uh, come, they, on, you, they, come on, you Gunner. Uh, listen, <laughs> I, all I would say is that uh, I got a, a lot of grief after our preview that I said even prime Thierry Henry wouldn't help them beat Chelsea, and I still stand by that. I think that Chelsea did more than enough to win this game, and I Henry would have maybe helped, but I don't think he would have helped them win the game. My concern actually wasn't with Xhaka or Lukanga. I think they're both fine in the middle of the fields. Uh, even the young front four, Martinelli, Saka, you know, Smith Rowe, Pepe, Odegaard will be there eventually, Aubameyang, Lacazette. Like they've got enough guys there that I think they can find the right combination to have success. And they have some depth. It's that back line that's a hot, hot dumpster fire, hot mess for me that needs to get sorted out. And obviously Ben White, big signing isn't available for this game. And obviously we don't want him to be sick and hopefully he feels better and all that. But that's why you signed the guy was to, to go and, and match up with the Lukaku and to, to get a result and make it tough. And I think until they get that side of it sorted out, it's going to be really difficult, I think, for Arteta to, to do what he wants to do. I think philosophically, he has an idea of how he wants to play and he doesn't have the players that can do it. And, and you're not going to fire 23 players. You're going to fire the coach. So I think he's going to be gone before Christmas as well. Yeah, well, there we have it. We're gonna we're gonna leave Arsenal right where they are. By the way, okay. Uh, by the way, I did ask though, who is your uh, weekend's biggest loser? Once again, you can pick a team, you can pick a player. If it's not Arsenal, because you expected them to win, thinking overall, uh, it doesn't have to just be the Premier League. Who who would you say is the biggest loser from the weekend? Heath Pierce, uh, Josh Sargent, and Norwich. Uh, that is just. <laughs> the 
I, I might be saying that a lot this yeah, year. I and I know the money's nice. Uh, and honestly, the biggest loser for me is is Americans abroad over the weekend. We're heading towards a, 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 strong, a very important qualifying window with Pulisic out, McKinney's transfer in, in, in doubt, Sargent at a new club where he's not getting much time at a club that's going to be very hard to, to, to scrap anything out. Uh, just a little bit worrisome for me. So that's I'm going to go with uh, the Americans abroad this weekend as as my biggest worry and biggest loser. There you go, Jimmy. I'm going with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I cannot believe the lineup he rolled out against Southampton. I thought it was absolutely what? I mean, you go and Jimmy, he put a good Are we bringing that record again? Who, yes. Put Greenwood never... up top. Put Greenwood up top. Leave him. Leave him there. Just let him play up top. But Jimmy, this, last week? Jimmy, this is something we said last season the entire time. We don't know who Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is. Do you still do you still buy that right now? Because I don't I, need to go back. What the I mean, what? I don't understand. Uh, there's a couple things. Martial starts. Can you just not bring that guy off uh, to, to Heath's point? Just start Mason Greenwood. He did fine for you. Yes, I know he ended up scoring in, in, in this one anyway, but just put him up top. You know, it's where he looks more comfortable. He feels more comfortable. I feel like the players around him, Pogba was releasing him all day last, last week. Bruno, I don't know. It just felt a little bit different with Martial up there, and it, it felt like it stagnated the attack. And then you have Fred and Nemanja, Ma- Nemanja Matic is like our age, dude. That guy's what he should be. He should be on this podcast, being you know an analyst. When he came up, I was like, oh, he was on. I can't even. I mean, what? And so, so you see, you see, uh, Van de Beek on, on the on the team. He's in the bench. Like if Van de Beek can't start in this game. Dude, that guy needs to go on loan or just he's got to leave. I mean, if I was his agent, if I was the player, I'd be like, what is, I can't, I can't get in over Matic. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. McTominay was on the bench. He comes on as a sub. I'm like, you got to, you're going to chase the game with McTominay. Anyway, Jaden Sancho's on the bench, comes off Lingard. I mean, you have these other options and I just don't understand the starting lineups. And so they got a 1-1 result. They should have lost. The Hay made a couple good saves on Adam Armstrong very late uh, after, after Harry Maguire got real casual with the ball. And I just, these are the games. If, if, if Manchester United or any team that's trying to compete with the, the big clubs that are really getting their momentum going and have, you know, a plethora of options, you have to win these games. You have to win them. And I know Man United can say, well, we still haven't lost. We're still unbeaten away from home. And yeah, you survived to get a point there, but you should have had more given the performance that you had last week and given the talent you have at your disposal. Yeah, well, my biggest loser is a Paraguayan called Miguel Almiron because he only touched the ball like once uh, for Newcastle, Jimmy Conrad. What did uh, he think he was going to – he would sign for Newcastle. Like, what does he expect? (laughs) Uh, Listen, by the way, because we're live taping this, Levante have taken the lead against Real Madrid, by the way. Uh, So we'll keep your eye on that one. So maybe Real Madrid will fall in the biggest loser of the weekend, so to speak. But as you mentioned, Jimmy Conrad, by the way, Southampton, Manchester United, they tied 1-0. And Newcastle lost 2-0 to Aston Villa. We talked about Arsenal, Chelsea losing as well there. Leeds and Everton were 2-0 as well. But we're going to move on here. Uh, we got a Leicester-West Ham game on Monday as well, by the way. All right, let's talk about the hero of the weekend, guys. Let's talk about, was there somebody that just did something heroic and you thought, my goodness, you deserve the hero badge for the weekend. And again, can be a player, can be a ref, can be a fan. A be, it be a, maybe it can be a pundit. I don't know. Anybody. Uh, Jimmy, who do you think? Who's the hero? Oh, wow. Now I feel like I'm really on the spot. I mean, I talked about a few players. You know, there's one player in particular. We didn't talk about Liverpool too much. I'm really impressed with Harvey Elliott. He, mm. He's come in. I think he's going to be a really important player for Liverpool throughout this season. Did he have a heroic performance? I don't know. I probably not. I thought Trent Alexander-Arnold was actually fantastic, and that's a good sign for Liverpool fans. But there's something about this 18-year-old and Harvey Elliott. 
His, his future is super bright, and I think he's going to be a really important player if Liverpool are going to contend for the title. And I don't know why. He's just on top of mind right now because when, when Sadio Mane and uh, Mo Salah leave for the Africa Cup of Nations for a month in January, you're going to have to rely on players like Harvey Elliott. They're going to have to carry you through that time and obviously to make any deep runs into other competitions. So I don't know why he's on the tip of my tongue. I don't think he had that much of a heroic performance, but because we haven't talked much about Liverpool, I wanted to give him a shout out because I thought he was he was very good at such a young age. He's one of my top young teenagers in the world. And then I want to give a shout out to Trent Alexander Arnold. He was he was awesome. What a player. He was great. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And Sumikas, by the way, like yeah. you know, uh, for he, he he was it an assist as well. By the way, fantasy right. football baby Sumikas and TAA as well. I love it. I love it. Hey Heath Pierce, who's your hero? Uh, Virgil Van Dyke. Yeah. Oh, you going Liverpool as well? Nice. Yeah, yeah. I, I, only because of the fact that he was. He's just bringing a different element to the team again, right? Set pieces, so strong, disrupting play, just occupying space in the box on set pieces. I think it's just changing the dynamic of the way in which Liverpool can win games or at least create opportunities. And then obviously, Allison, I'm just going with right up the spine, made some big plays. They seem over uh, the bad luck of last year of, of giving up a whole bunch of random and bad goals. It just seems like they're finally on the same page, knowing that you have Virgil van Dijk back in, who is showing his range of passing, owning that back line, clean sheets, are, are a big deal. And again, that set piece ability, I think for Liverpool just puts them back into a, 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 a right away back into a challenge, uh, a title challenge um, contention. And so uh, I'm going to go with him. And also just because of the fact that you never know what's going to happen after major injuries with some of these guys, and he's continuing to get better uh, match after match. So uh, as a, as a, as somebody who's a, just a huge fan of his style of play of one of the most, I think, dominant defenders in the history of the Premier League, uh, it's good to see him back and what he's bringing to a team beyond just sort of being a physical presence. Yep. And Liverpool look ready for sure. They really want to make a statement this season. Uh, how dare both of you not mention Danny Ings and that ridiculous <laughs> goal. Come on, Sir Don Danny Ings. It was ridiculous. Was it, it not? It was an amazing goal. It's off a long throw, which is feel, How dare you, Jim? Feels very, feels very West Brom, Stoke City, just more like that. <laughs> oh my but, god! But the, but the end result was fantastic. Maybe goal of the season for for the Premier League. Uh, Danny Ings obviously is is uh, off to a great start with with Villa, and that's looking like a very smart signing for Dean Smith and the villains. But uh, Jimmy, you know how it, I knew we were going to win because in the weekend preview, as soon as James Banks said, uh, "Yeah, I'm not sure about Danny Ings and the signing," I'm very <laughs> close. I was like, "Boom! That's a win straight yeah. away." <laughs> I always want to cut. I always want to cut up those goals and to uh, cut it to somebody doing a flip throw in when they go that far, you know, and it goes into yeah. great goal in the end. Just cut first on a flip throw in, and then it gets to the guy on the back post, scores a. a whatever you guys call that kind of goal. Absolutely. I don't know. Hey, by the way, we mentioned the hero, but let's talk about the villains. Who is a villain for you of the weekend? Again, uh, a lot of results going everywhere as well. We, you know, uh, PSG played on Friday against Brest. No Messi. He's still, hey, I'll uh, go first. I'll go, first. go ahead, Jimmy. Go ahead. I'm going to say the Nice fans because they threw a bottle that hit Dimitri Payet uh, again, their game yeah, against Marseille. I think yep. it's total bullshit that fans do that. Uh, I've had stuff thrown at me before. Some of it, I think, was probably urine. Uh, didn't smell great, so I'm just going to assume it was urine and batteries and all that type of stuff. Now, I understand there's passion, and I understand there's enthusiasm, and I understand there's one of throwing off the opponent, you know, to get them off their game, or if you don't like a particular person. I remember being at the Manchester Derby when somebody threw a coin at uh, Rio Ferdinand uh, during that about five or six years ago. No, geez, eight years ago or whatever it may be. And it's just, there's no place for that. You know, I mean, there's, 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 there's ways you can heckle, and try to get people to, without throwing stuff at them. And that obviously set off, and I'm sure you'll get into it, Luis, to give us some more detail and context. But it set off 
Marseille players to the point where they were throwing stuff back into the stands. The fans coming onto the field. They ended up continuing to play the game. I don't know. I feel like the game should have been abandoned. If you you break the rules like that, then the, the opposing team should get automatic three points. And that's the way you teach that lesson. Yep. No, well said. Listen, the only context I'll say is that, uh, as you mentioned, the Nice fans in the game uh, against uh, Marseille were throwing bottles and debris at Payet the entire game. And then mm. Payet, you know, he's a human being. He just couldn't take it anymore. And he's Payet as well. You don't, you, don't, <laughs> you, you don't mess with Payet. And he decided to respond and throw one back. And then that's when fans stormed onto the pitch and whatever. Listen, like, I'm going to just say something. We talk a lot about the passion and the energy of ultras and how great, you know what? We don't talk enough about the negative side of them. Like and how toxic it is and how sometimes it's not evaluated enough simply because we're talking about the game and the passion and stuff. There is a real sick darkness to it that really pisses me off. And this is a moment like this. So I'm glad you mentioned that scenario for your villain. He fears who's your villain of the weekend? Um, Syria referees. Seven, seven red cards on the weekend. I mean... Some of them I, I saw as well, and they were a little... I mean, I didn't see some. I saw all of them. Uh, and, and replay. Some of them were second yellow, some of them straight reds. And you just look at it and you go, do we have to do that now? Like, do we have to Do we have to send the player <laughs> off this early in the game? There was one of them that happened this weekend that was 56 seconds apart. Um, I don't remember which, which game it was, was in, but it was just like two kind of silly fouls. One of them, the second one was a, was a handball outside of the box, and he got a second yellow. And you're like, ref, like we just started the game. And now the whole dynamic has shifted. So I'm putting them all into one collective box because that's what I like to do and uh, make uh, referees of Syria the villains, which they love. You know, it's Syria. It's the dramatics. Absolutely. Absolutely. By the way, some other results uh, talking about La Liga. Uh, we mentioned that uh, Levanta uh, leads uh, Real Madrid right now to one Atleti. Thanks to Correa, as Jimmy mentioned, uh, leading one uh, day one, one nothing against Elche. Barcelona, by the way, Athletic Bilbao. Um you know, I'll say a good and a bad thing, and then I'll, I'll, I'd love for you guys to chime in for a second. Memphis Depay looks the business, man. And I think the, the more uh, games he develops, he's going to really fit in. But, I mean, listen, Jimmy, you talked about Arsenal's defensive unit. Barcelona's just get bullied over <laughs> and over and over. And they, it's don't, just- they, don't, they don't get built in the academy <laughs> like these you know, Virgil van Dyke-esque you know, defenders, they, they get built to play. You, you, they get built like Eric Garcia who came through. Oh my God. He Barcelona. got bullied. He got steamrolled. He got, he got bullied when he was with Man City as well. PK he wasn't has, good at United, by the way, when he was young as a, that, as a, as an actual, like strong, strong defender. Cause that's not how they're, that's not, that's not what excites them about the game. That's not way with the way that they want to play. That's just, and I think that's where Barcelona, when they had Puyol was probably their most dynamic defensively because they had a guy who, okay, he couldn't be Iniesta or, or Xavi, but he didn't need to be. And they had a little bit of that contrast where you had somebody that would get stuck in, that would hold people accountable. And they need a bit of a bastard, I think, in your back line. Every team needs it. And Barcelona desperately needs it because uh, the other guys, very pretty, very nice, can play the game better than, they probably have more talent in their pinky than I have my whole body. But, but you, still need, you still need a little bit of that toughness to just make plays, just make plays. And I think Barcelona lacks that a little bit and that could hurt them this season. Yeah, it's worth noting, by the way, uh, that we're talking about Eric Garcia, the soccer player, because he did find out his grandfather died minutes before kickoff. So obviously that mentally affected him. He's mm-hmm. 20 years old. You're bound to make mistakes. It was only mm-hmm. second mm-hmm. appearance for Barcelona. But in that specific moment, from a footballing perspective, he absolutely made uh, a huge mistake. And maybe Coleman should have probably realized everything that yeah. I just 
yeah. you know, because, you know, it did happen. Protect the player. Yeah. It happened in the third minute of stoppage time. Maybe at some point in the second half, you keep your eye on him and say, you know, he's not quite right. Maybe we can that's, help him, et cetera. So, uh, but the pie also. Hard. That's hard. That's hard, though. That's hard. You know, you like think? if you can't, if you were to pull a player, you don't know. It's hard to like protect a player from themselves mentally because maybe this is what they need, right? And if you were to make a decision what for them on something they're going through, I don't know. I just think that would be hard for me, at least, if I was a a manager to to, to think through it like that. Uh, I mean, in theory, you want to, right? You want what's best for the player and for the team. But if they're saying, "I'm good, I'm good, I'm good," or or like, "I need this. This is this is the one thing that I know that's consistent," or whatever it is that's being said or shared, I think that would be hard to to. Um, yeah. Yeah. I understand you know. that. No, it's, a, it's a fair argument. But uh, regardless of that, I just wanted to make sure that everybody understood that we are criticizing Eric Garcia's uh, performance uh, from a footballing perspective. We understand the mental obstacles that came with it. And by the way, Depay also missed a sitter as well. And that, I think that's the key difference, guys, when like no Lionel Messi Barcelona and because Messi would have scored that. Right. And, and that would have been it. All right. So listen. That's it. That's our weekend recap. Before we say goodbye, I do want final thoughts from both of these lovely gentlemen. So what do you have for me, Heath Pierce? Your final thought that may be something we haven't even talked about. Uh, I'm happy Chris Richards came in against Bayern Munich. Nicolas Sule continues to be awful. So I think <laughs> he's going to be called upon. And, and they haven't sent him out on another loan. Obviously, he was at Hoffenheim uh, last season, did well, got some experience. I think it could be a moment for him to at least start to rotate into uh, some games. And then, and then obviously Dortmund are showing the Dortmund that we know, which is high, high and low lows, which is disappointing. Uh, but with both those teams, I think giving up goals and not looking great, the, the title challenge is on in the Bundesliga. Yeah, yeah and I, I'd piggyback that and say the same about Serie A. I thought Inter Milan looked great. I think Juve are still the favorites. You just have to work through this Cristiano Ronaldo situation, but I think it's wide open. We could say the same about the Premier League. It just feels wide open right now. Liverpool look great. Chelsea look great. Man City are going to obviously find their feet as they did this past weekend, 5-0. So, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. We didn't even talk about Harry Kane, right? So there's still that that has to get through. Harry Kane, Ronaldo, well, that could be your final thought right it now. It can be. It just, I don't know. I don't know exactly what it looks like. He came on as a sub against Wolves. Fair play to Spurs for getting that 1-0 result. I just want to state for the record that I nailed that prediction in our previews. And, and I just, it's going to be interesting to see how this unfolds because I really think it can dictate uh, the futures of a few clubs here for this upcoming season. Maybe... Yeah, Sorry, Luis, but maybe uh, star players from teams are becoming the new super subs. You know, maybe this is what maybe we're seeing. <laughs> Put your highest paid player on the bench. Let him bring that spark <laughs> off of it. You know, we're seeing it. Ronaldo, Harry Kane. Let's not make it. Let's not Messi, make it. A thing, Neymar. Messi. Yeah, 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 there we go. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure their agents love yeah. that. <laughs> Nuno Spinetta Santo, by the way, well done to uh, the, he's becoming Arsenal's George Graham from back in the day. Mm -hmm. to a one nothing wins is all they need. Three points, six points. They're looking good. Uh, my final thought is ain't nobody like El Ghazi. He just <laughs> <There we go. laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you so much. Play that drum. He's here. Thank you very much. Thank you. Jimmy, thank you, brother. Thank you. See everybody. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.